Hello and welcome back to Success Quest. Become your best self and join the revolution to success. I'm Jacob Harmon and I'm glad you're joining us today. If you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, yesterday was Christmas. And I hope you had an amazing time with family and friends. I know that I did. Um, That's a huge part of success is just being able to spend time with those that you love and being able to balance your life so that you can spend that time with them. So we hope that you had a great time there. Also, before our next episode comes out, it will be the new year. Crazy, right? We'll be in 2020. And I know that the new year is kind of cliche for making goals and New Year's resolutions. And generally speaking, a lot of people never reach those goals. It's something that they work on for maybe a few days or a week and then they forget about it. But I invite you guys to think about maybe some goals that you can set for this year that are attainable and find someone to keep you accountable to them. Because it really is a good time to just think about your life and some things you may want to change. Um, you may get a little bit of inspiration from this podcast episode today that can help you make some of these goals. Today, I I was able to interview Nicole Matthews, and she actually talks a lot about goals and talks a lot about how she was able to attain one of her lifelong goals just by asking. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you can get something out of it and enjoy. All right. Well, I'm super excited to have Nicole Matthews with me today. She is the founder of Henley Co., which is an event organization business. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that later. Uh, But just looking at your website, I'm really impressed with some of the things that are on there. And I'm really excited about this interview. How are you doing today, Nicole? I'm great. Thank you. Big hello from San Diego, California. Yeah, we were just talking about before we recorded how it's a little chilly there, but it's all relative, right? I mean, here in Wyoming, <laughs> it's it's really cold. <laughs> yes, I'm sure um, wherever everyone else is listening from would be like, oh, listen to her complaining that it's had you know the first day of rain since May. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I just think it's funny how we really become accustomed to our environments, and it really affects our perspective on life. I think that's. Super interesting thing. So anyways. Yeah, for sure. sure. (laughs) I'm a native of San Diego. And so it always fascinates me when people want to move because of weather. Like Mm. I'm always fascinated by that. I'm just given the fact that I've never really had weather in my life. So the fact Uh that people are like, I can never do another winter. I have to get out of here. It's just (laughs) always so fascinating to me. So yeah. Well, it's all relative. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Well, we love hearing stories here on Success Quest. So Nicole, what's your story? How did you get from where you were to where you are. Oh, thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. So um, I am Nicole Matthews. I'm the founder of the Henley Company, which is an event travel and lifestyle management firm based here in San Diego. And um, I have been proudly an entrepreneur since 2007 when I left corporate America. Uh, My most recent job, if you will, was uh, working for the largest law firm in San Diego, where I was the marketing manager. And I handled all of the events and PR and business development for the law firm. And I thought that I was in the job that I should have, right? I had graduated with my master's degree. I'd worked internationally. I'd come back to San Diego. I'd landed at this amazing firm. And it was all the shoulds that we should have in Mm -hmm. life, right? The big job, the, you know, the good, the good life that I'm living. And I realized very, very quickly, like day three, that I was in the wrong spot and that I Mm -hmm. knew corporate America wasn't going to be for me. Uh, for me forever, 
but I didn't quite know at that juncture how to sort of undo it, right? Because again, I was doing all the things that I should do. So um, little by little, I started to grow a business on the side and I um, actually stayed at the firm almost five years. So if you can only imagine on day three, I knew I was in the wrong spot. And five years later, I'm still trying to figure out how to how to get out. Um, But I think, you know, people are put where they are so that they learn the lessons that they need to learn. And um, having that great job allowed me the autonomy and flexibility to really start growing my business on the side. And proudly, the um, law firm was actually one of my first clients when I started my own business. So I started the Hemley Company in 2007, like I said, and I knew that I um, wanted to do event management because that was my background and that's what I had been doing. But I had all this other stuff for lack of a better word, that um, I loved to do. And part of that was travel coordination or personal assistance, household management, errand running, kind of all of those things of being of service. And so that's how my company actually became a um, event and um, um, personal concierge firm. So Hmm. we're a little bit unique because not only do do we do all um, event management, so we do full event production for our clients, but we also do a lot of travel coordination and then personal assistance as well. So we work with a lot of busy executives and their families to help them to manage their life so that they can be doing the things that they'd rather be doing. So I've been very, very fortunate for the last 12 years of being able to run the handling company. And those opportunities have allowed me to also um, freelance with other companies um, most the project I'm most proud of is that in 2007, or excuse me, 2012, I worked the London Olympics, and um, that has now um, uh, the snowball has continued, and I've now been able to work three Olympic games wow. and probably six Super Bowls, um, all because I made a big ask. So we can certainly talk about creating your own opportunities and making your big asks. But professionally, I would say that Olympic and Super Bowl experience is really at the top of my. Um, professional highlights. Um, and I feel very fortunate to have had that international work experience at the Olympic level as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. There's so much great things here. I, yeah. I'm really excited <laughs> to dig into all of it. Um, but let's start clear back at the beginning. You were talking about your relationship with corporate America. You got uh-huh. there day three. It wasn't great, but you stayed there for five whole years. Looking back, is that something you would change if you could? Or were you grateful for that opportunity to work on a side hustle and do things while you had the security of a job? You know, I I mean, yes, I would love to say, you know, on day four, I should have jumped Uh out of corporate America and and been and gone out on my own. But the reality is, is that the timing just wasn't right. You know, I am a big believer that you have to learn your craft Mm -hmm. before you can start a business. Right. And so for me, I felt like I just still needed to get a little bit of experience in terms of my craft. For me, that's event planning Mm -hmm. Um, under my belt. I mean, I had been doing events for, gosh, by the time I was at the firm for probably 10 years. And so it wasn't that I was a complete newbie, but I still feel like you need to have the experience before you start a business. And, Mm -hmm. And I knew the event side would always be the easier part of my business and running the business would be hard. So as easy as it would be to say, oh, yeah, day four, I should have jumped ship. The reality is, is that you're where you are to learn the lessons that you need mm-hmm. to learn and yeah. to make the connections that you need to make. Um, it wasn't until a new director of marketing came in at the firm who I really, really connected with. Um, and she was incredibly supportive of my journey beyond the firm. And so the reason that they were able to become one of my very first clients is because she saw the value and the, uh-huh. and, and, and valued the relationship that she and I had created as you know director and employee 
And she knew that that could be successful outside of a traditional, you know, corporate environment. And so um, it did take me, um, you know, years to get to that place, but also it allowed me to grow my business slowly on the side and to really be thoughtful about Mm -hmm. making a big decision, um, you know, and and making that transition from somebody paying me every two weeks to trying to figure out how you're going to get paid, you know, tomorrow. So, um, so all of those things I think weigh into it. And, um, you know, I just always say that, you know, you take the lessons from where you are and then eventually those lessons will provide the roadmap for your next, you know, your next step in whatever that might be. I love that. And I I think that it's really easy to get really uncomfortable with where you are, especially for me. I'm the type of person that always wants more, right? I do something and I'm like, Oh, I want even more. I want even more where I mean, I'm already in a position that's better than the majority of the world when I think about it, but, but I always want more. And so I think taking a step back and realizing that there's things you can learn in your current position is important. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's also, you have to know when you've learned what you need to learn and now it's time to move on. Right. Yeah. And that's so, so how true do you know? because otherwise you get complacent. Right. And then you're mm-hmm. just, I'm just living in like, this is safe. This is what I know, even though it's not really making my heart sing every day, this is safe. I'm too nervous to make that jump. And so, right. um, you know, yeah, I agree that sometimes people can just get stuck. Mm-hmm. So in, in your case, how did you know when it was time to, to move away from, from the current company that you were with? Yeah, so a couple of things actually happened personally for me um, in the short, in a, in a, in probably a, the course of about six to eight weeks. Um, I had family, uh, really dear family friends of mine, who found their fourteen-month-old floating in their pool, and as hard as that is to hear, um, she thankfully was was saved, and all the right people were where they needed to be, and really a miracle happened um, when we when Grace was found in the pool, and her name is Grace, um, which is ironic. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember watching my friends navigate that tragedy and thinking to myself, life is so short, I just never want to have regrets. Yeah. So it did take something pretty profound and significant for me to sort of really wake up, wake up to my gosh, life is so short. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, you know, I had, I had a dear friend who I had been sort of toying with this notion of like, it, I, this is what I want to do. I want to leave. I'm not happy in corporate America. I want to start my own business. Mm-hmm. And he actually said to me, he's like, how long are we going to have this conversation for? He's like, I'm going to support you either way, but how long do you want to have this conversation? Like how many mm-hmm. times do you want to keep asking? Is it the right time? Is this what I should do? At some point you just have to do it and then let the cards fall where they may. And so the combination of those two, you know, com- a conversation and, this, this tragedy that had happened um, really for me precipitated the decision. And mm-hmm. to be completely honest with you, I didn't know the day I was going to give notice. I kind of just drove into work that day. And for whatever reason, like the peace came over me and I walked wow. into my director's office and I said, I can't do this anymore. And she looked at me and said, I know, I know it's been coming. She goes, how do we make this work? And those were like the magic words, right? Because she wasn't like, you know, pack your box and get out. Right. She said to me, how do we make this work? And what a, what a lovely invitation for I'm supporting you in your next chapter. Right. And so I was very fortunate in, in terms of having the people around me that I did. Yeah. And, and that's super awesome. I wish that more employers were like that. And yeah. to any of you listeners out there who are a boss or an employer, I think one of the best things you can do is really value your employees. And part of that value is understanding that eventually they may outgrow your, your business or your company. Yeah. And right. instead, instead of 
being against that, supporting that really shows how much you care for your employees and they're going to do a lot better work for you. Um, if you truly care for your employees, they're going to, they're going to have your back too. So that's a really good lesson from your former boss to, to learn. Yeah. It's amazing. I was very lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I guess the next question you're, you're in this event space. I mean, what are the benefits of events is it something that you're you're just putting on? I know you mentioned the Olympics and and Super Bowl, so these are like huge events. But maybe okay. on a smaller scale for small companies, are events something that they should be thinking about? I think there definitely is still a place for events in the world. And as much as technology is sort of, you know, shrinking the world, right? We can communicate with anybody in, in every corner of the world thanks to technology. There is still something super significant about people meeting face to face, and mm-hmm. if it's done correctly, uh, there's nothing more powerful to it. Um, just last week, actually, or the beginning of the month, I was um, I had the great pleasure of working with a team out of Austin, um, event colleagues of mine. They own a company called Hot Docamozo, which is kind of a funny name. <laughs> but their whole thing is about creating spaces for people to do crowdsourcing for content, meaning they take the traditional um, agenda out of a conference or a seminar and the and the attendees crowdsource at the beginning of the day. What is it that we want to talk about? What's important <laughs> to me? What do I want to learn more about? What do I want to share? And through that, we then curate sort of a, an, a, an agenda for the rest of the day based on the expertise and knowledge that's already in the room. So there's not like a keynote speaker who gets brought in is the, in the front of the room um, to talk about it. So we had 80 people who showed up in New York City. They all bought into this notion that they were going to a secret international location. They showed up in New York City. <laughs> we had a huge reveal party. They had no idea where they were headed. And two hours later, they went up, they, after they learned at the reveal party, they were put on a chartered airplane and we landed in Tuscany 12 hours later. Wow. And so for the next five days we spent in Tuscany and the whole point of it was really a business mastermind and people were able to get very real in their businesses and in their personal lives. And it was extraordinary because a, it allowed people to talk to each other. It was totally face to face. Mm -hmm. Um, It's purposefully low tech. We literally write like content on post-it notes and that's how it all gets curated together. Um, And it allowed people to really have real conversations. And so it just reminded me as being part of this team, um, having, you know, a a small role in, in this amazing event, but part of this team was just the importance of people being in the same room together. Hmm. So to answer your question, is there still room for events? I think there absolutely is. I think, though, that where companies make mistakes is that they just throw parties for the sake of parties Mm -hmm. and nothing is as intentional as it could or should be. And um, I think any talented event professional uh, is no longer a a party planner, but they're really somebody who's very strategic in terms of what is the return on investment for the thousands of dollars we're going to (laughs) spend, hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes to produce an event. And so there's a lot we can do around strategy for events that I think make events still very relevant. Um, But people who are just throwing parties to throw parties, you know, there's a time and place for that. But from Mm -hmm. a, from a business standpoint, it's not always your best return on investment. Right. That makes a lot of sense to me. You really have to have like a focused strategy behind the event. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes me think like if the event could be done virtually, then why not just have a webcam, right? If you're just going to bring in a keynote speaker, 
right. everyone could just join in live. You have to have something that differentiates it, that makes it, there's a reason we're all here in person. Yeah. And that that's really cool. I had never thought about it that way before, but as more technology emerges, we have to make the old school, non-technological things new. We have to do something yeah, different no, with them. Yeah, 100%. And what's been really amazing is since we all got back from Italy, how technology has has allowed us to all stay connected, yeah. right? So the, so the initial in, in engagement was very face-to-face, very mm-hmm. low-tech, hi, nice to meet you. I'm going to be in this crazy environment with you for five days. We're really <laughs> going to get to know each other. This is like adult, adult you know, summer camp. Right. But now that we're all back and back into our regular lives, the amount of messaging that's being sent through WhatsApp groups that are just specific to this community of people has been really impressive to watch. And, mm-hmm. and so to me, that's a home run, right? We, we did what we needed to do from a face-to-face, create community standpoint, but now technology is allowing us to stay connected. People haven't gone back to their corners of the country and kind of forgotten the experience. Mm-hmm. And so kudos to the team at Hot Dakamozo because they really have, have nailed that um, in right. terms of creating that community. That's super cool. Let the tech do what it does best and let the in-person mm-hmm. stuff do what it does best. That's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so talking a little bit about your company and I mean, building a company is hard no matter what. Uh, it, it's just hard. It, it is. So what are some of the struggles or the things that you've had to deal with over the past, I mean, what is it, 12 years 12 that you've years, had this company? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think everything, you know, bigger, you know, bigger company, bigger problems, right? So, um, so as you get into business after 12 years, I mean, you kind of feel like, do I have a handle on this? You know, and so and there's some days where I'm like, I don't even know the first thing I'm doing. And other days where I'm like, okay, I think I'm ahead of the ball here. Like, so mm-hmm. on an hourly basis, as most owners <laughs> will probably agree to, like, it just changes, you know? So, and that's the part I think that is of interest to most of us. That's the chase, right? And so, you know, what have I learned in 12 years? I think it's just, you know, what are you good at and what are you not? And Mm -hmm. being um, brave enough to get out of your own way when there are things that you're not good at, right? So we can't be all, you know, if if numbers aren't your thing, then you don't need to be spending hours getting frustrated in the numbers, like outsource that and have enough understanding where you can have an educated conversation, but I don't need to be in the weeds when it comes to, you know, the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So so those are the things I think after 12 years, and it's, it's always that balance of, of how much can I take on myself and then how much can I um, outsource so that I grow, um, the company grows, but also what keeps me interested. You know, I don't want to ever get to a place where I feel like it's, I'm working at a job again, right? Mm-hmm. The whole point of owning my own business is that I don't have to work at a job. Right. I get to own a business and, and choose clients and projects that are of interest to me. And so I think as you get long, uh, further along in your entrepreneurial journey, you start to realize what's of interest to you. What kind of clients do you want to work with? What kind of clients you definitely don't want to work with? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I certainly have a, <laughs> a small list, but a list of those. Um, and, you know, and, and then what keeps you um, energized and enthusiastic for the work that you're doing. You can't be so bogged down in the business that you aren't growing and, and being creative, especially in my line of work, it, it tends to be, you know, fairly creative, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm bogged down in the stuff I don't like to be doing, my creativity goes out the window and that's not yeah. serving me or my clients. And so it's just that constant balance of like finding harmony between what do I love to do? What does the company need from me? And then what can I do to really just sort of continue to as I always say, you know, what makes my heart sing. And so, Mm -hmm. um, after 12 years, it's just, 
you know, kind of reevaluating that to be completely honest, I'm 12 years in and I am now in a place where I feel like, is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? Or am I ready to pivot? And how do I, how do all the parts and pieces sort of play nice with each mm-hmm. other? Um, you know, from what has already been working to what am I more interested in as we move forward? I love that. I mean, the whole purpose of creating your own business is to live the life you want, right? Yeah, so exactly. Don't I, I think too often we we can get out of corporate America, but then we end up just living a corporate America life anyways. Yeah. So right, right, <laughs> right. And, no, and, and I mean, for, for me, ahead. that would have been easy. I'm, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but for me, that would have been easy. I mean, not to take anything away, like from anybody who works in corporate America, plenty of people mm-hmm. work very, very hard. But that would have been if I only had to just show up every single day, you know, at some point that just becomes, um, I don't know, for me, it was soul draining. And mm-hmm. the challenge of every day having to figure out how to run a company is enough to keep me in this game. Mm-hmm. Hey, Questers, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Success Quest. Real quick, I just wanted to thank the sponsor of this episode, Audible. Audible is an amazing service that allows you to listen to audiobooks. They have just about any audiobook out there and you can listen to them on your own time. Personally, I like to listen to things because I don't have a whole lot of time to sit down and read, but I do like to learn and I can learn wherever I am, whether I'm washing the dishes or driving in the car. In fact, that's why I like podcasts so much. And Audible is a great way to listen to books. To get one free audiobook and two Audible originals, go ahead and go to mysuccessquest.com slash audible to get a 30-day free trial. And thank you again to Audible for sponsoring this episode of Success Quest. Yeah, and I'd like to dig in just a little bit into this idea of outsourcing. Uh, for me, it's something that's particularly hard because I am a little bit of a perfectionist and I like things done the way I like things done. And so it's hard for me to think of outsourcing something to someone else because I want it done the way I like it done. Um, so how do you outsource successfully? How do you delegate things and make sure they actually get done the way they should? Um, I, you know, yes, I, I am very much in that same realm. And so I, (laughs) in complete disclosure, right, you know, outsourcing is always a challenge, but, but as my business continued to grow and particularly with my travel schedule, because I am on the road a fair amount through the course of the year, um, what really helped for me was, um, on the concierge side of our business, we actually have clients that we see on a weekly basis. So like somebody from my team needs to you know, show their face to these clients every right. single week. It can't be always done virtually. And so, um, and for a long time, I mean, we're talking, you know, six, five or six years into my business, I was the face. I was mm-hmm. the, all the things. Yep. And then these opportunities came, um, for t- the first major one was obviously when I went to London for the Olympics and I was, I knew I was going to be gone eight weeks. Well, it's a little hard to say to your concierge client, like, hey, hold, I'll be back in eight weeks. You're paying me to be here for you. Yeah, (laughs) right. While I'm at the Olympics, you just hang out over there and, you know, don't worry about us. So, um, so I knew at that juncture um, that I was going to need somebody to come in to help. And so for me, that really was the precipitation of, um, of bringing in somebody and, and entrusting someone. And so, you know, how do you find those people? I think you need to be very selective. I think you need to be very clear in direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you realize, of course, that person might be a great employee, but they're never going to love your business the way you do. 
Right. Um, it's like, you don't love your kids' friends the way they do, you know, I mean, you have affection for them, but they're not your children. And so to have an expectation that like, well, why can't she be exactly like me is not fair. It's not fair to her. Um, and it's not fair to me because it just, you know, would be disappointing to me. So, so my travel schedule really became a logistical reason that I needed to outsource. And then obviously as projects that we were working on here in San Diego got bigger, then I knew I needed to bring in additional um, staff as well. So um, most everybody, I don't have any employees, full-time or part-time employees that work for me, but, uh, but I do have independent contractors who come in project by project, um, which works really well for me because then I don't have the obligation of, you know, a full-time salary, which is stressful enough. Um, but I also have the access to bring in really talented people depending on their schedule to help with projects and then move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. And one of the things that really pushed you into that was that big Olympics thing Mm -hmm. and having to travel. So let's talk a little bit about that. You mentioned clear back at the beginning of the interview, the big ask and being open to asking for something big. Tell me the story. How did you get this Olympic job? Because that's huge. (laughs) I know. I'm very, very fortunate. So I actually write all about it. I did write a book called Permission, Stop Competing and Start Creating the Life You Want to Live. So um, I tell a a more detailed story in the book. But but the quick version is, is that for me, um, I'm a huge Anglophile, which means that I love everything to do with England, right? So an Anglophile is anyone who loves everything to do with England. So that's 100% (laughs) who I am. It's new to um, me. <laughs> and combine that with um, my love of the Olympics and combine that with the fact that I am obviously an event producer. And so my goal was how am I going to figure out how to go work the Olympics, number one, but spe- specifically the London Olympics, because that mm-hmm. was for me is going to be like the combination of all the things. Right. And I had previously worked in London um, years before I started my business. And so for me, that was just a great goal. So I decided that somebody I knew knew somebody who could make it happen. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have anybody immediately in my network, but I knew that the power of a network is that just because I don't know them doesn't mean you don't know them, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the answer to that question is, I have to tell you what it is I'm looking for. I have to tell you, I have to be bold enough to say, hey, this is something that I want in my life. Do you know anyone who can help me, right? So I was working at my desk one Sunday evening in November of um, 2011, mm-hmm. and I was inspired to send an email out to uh, my network. And basically the gist of the email and the actual emails in my book said something along the lines of, this is my dream. I've always wanted to work the Olympics. And I know somebody knows somebody who can help me ha- make it happen. <laughs> so if there's an introduction that you can make on my behalf, I deeply appreciate it. Obviously, whatever, you know, whatever, I'll take whatever job I can get. But if there's one that really allows me to showcase my event, you know, and concierge skills, I'd love that too. That email out, it went out to about 125 people in my network. My qualifier for sending that was that they would recognize my name if it landed in their inbox. So it didn't have Mm -hmm. to be just my best friends. It just had to be somebody who would recognize my name. So out it goes to 125 people. And I get about 30 responses, which was amazing, right? I mean, some of them were, hey, good for you. I'll think about how I can help. But others were, we have an office in London. Let me see if, you know, if we're involved in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I have a cousin that lives in England. Let me, you know, let me make an introduction. So I had all this really wow. positive swell. And long story short, it ended up being, um, I'm an adjunct professor at one of our community colleges here in San Diego. I teach events and hospitality. And one of my fellow uh, professors um, had worked many Olympics and she made, 
you know, she then knew that I was interested. And she's like, oh my gosh, I had mm-hmm. no idea until now because you, you yeah. said something to me. She goes, let me make an introduction. And so um, that was really the, the key, right? And so then I had an introduction to a company that um, works with all of the major um, sponsors and brands for sporting events. So there is, um, this is sort of a, a niche in the event world, but they do a lot of like sports marketing and branding. And so um, I was eventually brought onto a team that worked for Visa, which is one of the major Olympic sponsors. Uh-huh. And um, as luck would have it, because of my backgrounds in events and VIP management, um, I was assigned to be the personal assistant, for lack of a better word, or account manager for um, the CEO of Visa Europe. So anywhere the CEO went, he and his wife um, and some, a few of the board members was under my responsibility. So I was his personal assistant for the course of the games, which meant that anywhere he went, I had the fortune of going. So every sporting event he went to, I went to as well. When I tell you that this was the greatest project I have ever had in my entire life, and it will probably be the greatest project I've ever had in my life, I'm not like being facetious. It was such an unbelievable blessing mm-hmm. and an incredible experience that I will forever just hold so close to my heart. But backing up, that all happened because I asked people to help me. Mm-hmm. So I'm a huge believer in that if there is something that's on your heart or something that you're looking for in terms of growing your business or individually, you know, personally, you have to tell people how to help you. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone always says, like, let me know if I can help. But nobody ever says, yeah, you know what you could do? Yeah, you could make this introduction or, hey, I'm looking for this person because I can't tell you how many times that does happen when somebody will say something to me. And I might not immediately have the, oh, let me introduce you. But then all of a sudden I'm reading an article and I'm like, yeah. God, I just was talking to you know Mary about this. And then I can forward an article that can help Mary in her journey. Right. And mm-hmm. so. We just are, especially women are so like closed in terms of asking for help. And my superpower in life, (laughs) I think, is to try to teach people how to ask for help. Um, You know, you have to not only ask for help, but you have to be willing to give help too, right? You Mm -hmm. can't just be selfish. Right. um, But I think it's incredible when people actually say, hey, this is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. This would really be helpful. And people pay attention to that. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have all these cheerleaders or all, all of this network out there working on your behalf because you were bold enough to say, this is what I'm looking for. So I'm a big believer in creating your own opportunities. And a big step in that is by making a big ask all, you know, whenever it feels right for you. That's so amazing. I mean, cause nobody's going to help you unless you reach out. Right. <laughs> it's right. It's, it's just impossible. They don't know what you want. <laughs> hey, if you don't tell me, I don't know how to help you. And it's not that I don't want to help you. Right. I just don't know how to help you because you haven't been bold enough to say, hey, this is what it is I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's amazing. I love it. And <laughs> I, I don't know if you're religious at all, but it just reminds me of a verse in the Bible where it's like, ask and you shall receive, right? Knock mm-hmm. and it shall be opened. If, if you don't ask, it can't come like because right. nobody will even know to help you. That's so amazing. Right. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I guess a question there, did you just, you mentioned that you sent it out to your network. When you say your network, was that just your entire contact list? Like everyone you'd ever contacted or was it specifically business associates? Um, it was really a mixture of both. I mean, I literally just kind of went through my address book on my computer Mm -hmm. and just, you know, was like, again, using that caveat of like, would they recognize my name? 
you know? And so that was really kind of the low hanging fruit. Like I just, and the, and the people that responded to me weren't always my best friend, you know, uh-huh. I mean, or my, my closest business contact. It was really people who were kind of outside my normal day to day who though received the email. And here's the other thing I think it's super important when you send an email like that, think of the accountability that that then creates, right? Because now when I'm out in the world going about my day, right, I've now told the world like, hey, this is my dream, asking for help. Now when I am engaged with those people in the next few days, weeks, what do you think they asked me? Hey, how's it going? Did you make a connection to the Olympics yet? You know, what's happening with that? You know, oh, I just thought of someone else. I can... All of that is accountability, right? So it's not like I dropped this email in everybody's lap and then I just sat back and was like, well, it'll come knocking on my door one day, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I still had to make forward motion every single day, but that accountability and knowing that now that everybody, you know, the vulnerability of knowing that now everybody in my circle really knew what my dream was, there's a lot of accountability that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good thing, right? Because every single day I now had to take a step forward in how am I going to get closer and closer and closer? Right. So that's the other piece I love about making a big ask is that there's accountability that comes with it. Right. Uh It's not just something you can like drop and run and then hope, you know, and pray that like this magic is going to happen. Yeah. It's about, it's about telling the world what you need, but then also in parallel to that, continuing to work towards what it is that you're working towards. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't just like, you know, drop and run. Right. And this was clear back in 2011. I'm sure, I mean, networking has changed a lot since then. We've got LinkedIn, we've got Facebook. I mean, Facebook existed, but things have changed a lot since that time. So networking is actually easier than it's ever been. You still can email, but I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so many different channels to reach out to people that you have a contact with. So, yep. I mean, the exercise I'm going to do after recording this podcast, I'm going to go and I'm going to think, what are the big things that I want to accomplish in my life? Like dreams that I have been afraid to even put on paper. And maybe Mm -hmm. I'm going to go start asking for it. (laughs) Well, I hope you do. And I hope you include me in that ask because, you know, that's the power of it, right? It doesn't have to just be the people in your immediate sphere, but Mm -hmm. you just never know who's going to be that right connector or the right introduction. But until you say it out loud, you know, that's when, yeah. that's when the magic happens. That's incredible. I love it. And Hey, we're going to put a link to your book in the show notes too. So anyone right. who is out Thank there listening, you. if this story is even remotely interesting to you, then definitely go get this book. That's what it's about, right? It's all about this story of, of getting into the Olympics. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's a big piece of it. And about how um, other examples of how I created my own opportunity and self-produced my own events that were really revenue generating. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the other piece that's, I think important is that um, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to to um, to teach at the college level. I do a lot of you know speaking um, to to groups and industry, and I tell my story a lot. And people hear the fancy things like you know business owner worked the Olympics, mm-hmm. wrote a book, all the good things on paper, right? So on paper, I might present I might present very well. I'm very proud of the work experience that I have that I can write on paper. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is like everybody has a backstory, and so especially for women, they would see, you know, somebody who is quote, quote, successful up on the stage telling her story, but they don't realize that there's always a backstory. Mm -hmm. And so the first half of permission really dives into my personal stuff, you know, like things like depression and anxiety and being in the wrong relationship and, and all the things that we kind of have to get right in ourselves before we can then move into Mm -hmm. 
creating opportunities and owning a business and all those other things too. So, so I don't want the, you know, the listeners to just think like permission, the book is just all about, you know, all the best parts, Mm -hmm. because it definitely is balanced um, with the real parts of my life as well, which I think is super important. Like I always say to people, that person that's up on the stage talking, there is a backstory you don't even know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they didn't come flying out of the womb just like this. And so, you have to, you know, you have, you have to know the backstory too. So, so um, I'm very proud of permission. It's, it's pretty raw. It's very vulnerable. Um, but I, it, I hopefully encourages people that like, Hey, whatever you, you know, whatever your childhood looked like, whatever you went through doesn't define who you are as a person, you get mm-hmm. to do that moving forward. Right. And so it's a nice balance. I think of both the, the, you know, the raw stories, but then the inspirational stories of creating opportunities and, creating a business and being able to travel the world and all the things. I'm so glad you said that because I, I, and that's part of the whole purpose of this podcast is to help people understand what success really is. Because I think so often we look at, we look at social media and we see the people with the fancy cars and we see them on their fancy vacations and we think, Oh, well, that's not a life I can have, you know, or, but, but what we don't see is all of that backstory, all of the things that, that, went on every overnight success has years and years that really went into it. It's not an overnight success. And so it's all, it's all about the work and it's all about the balance of life. So I'm so happy that you mentioned that. We'll probably, I mean, we should have you back on just to talk about that for another 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Happy to. My pleasure. Don't worry. Awesome. Well, before we end, is there any other things that you'd like to share with our audience um, about success or your story? Yeah. So thank you. Uh, Well, thank you obviously for the time. It's been a great and easy (laughs) conversation. So I hope we have the opportunity to do it again. Absolutely. But, you know, like I said, you know, as I've been now 12 years, my business and my business is, you know, is, is running and doing what it needs to do. I, you know, I look to like where, um, where I'm interested in moving forward. And so because of the feedback I've had from the book permission, I'm really um, interested at this point and working to really create community um, of particularly women, but all those who you want to join of, you know, really helping women to make their big asks and to create their own opportunities. Mm -hmm. So um, um, so my company is called the Henley company and that's all the professional good, you know, fun stuff over there. But the stuff that's really making my heart sing at the moment is really creating this community, um, of women. So if you'd like to f- join that community and you can follow me, um, on social at miss MS Nicole Matthews. So miss Nicole Matthews, and then all of the professional stuff you can find me at the Henley company. Okay, perfect. And we'll put those links in the description too. So right. in your podcast app, just go ahead and scroll down and click on that and Go ahead and follow Nicole because, I mean, this has been gold. We have received so (laughs) many amazing insights. And so, well, thank you so much, Nicole. Really appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. All right. Well, thank you so much for making it all the way to the end of this episode. I hope you were able to learn something from it. I know that I was. As a reminder, this is the last week to enter to win a $20 Amazon gift card from us. All you have to do to enter is go to mysuccessquest.com slash support. Do one thing on that page. We have a list of different ways you can support us. Some of them are cost money, like purchasing merchandise or donating to Success Quest. And some of them are completely free, like leaving a review or, or sharing Success Quest on your social media. So do one thing to support us. 
and then send an email to podcast at mysuccessquest.com letting us know what you did and we will enter you in to win the $20 gift card. And just a quick little tip for you. There's not a whole lot of people who have entered. So the chances are pretty high right now if you enter. So anyways, go ahead and support us and send us that email and we'll enter you into that contest. And we'll be announcing the winner of that contest next week on the podcast. And we'll also be reaching out to them via email so that they can get that $20. Thank you again for listening to Success Quest. Have a successful day. Thank you.